Now I know baseball is over, and it's getting cold. Some snow. Well, it's supposed to be 60 degrees tomorrow, but snow. It snowed a little bit around here. Theo Epstein, the architect of the Chicago Cubs, has stepped down as the club's president of baseball operations. Morning, Rowdy. How are we doing today? Good, yeah. Better than Cub fans. <laughs> right? That's that's a pretty big blow for the Chicago Cubs, is it not? Well, I mean, that is the guy that helped put together the World Series team in 2016. Yep, he did it with the Red Sox, and then he went and did it with the Cubs. Theo Epstein is uh, not a boy, but the boy genius behind you know these two uh, franchises here. Epstein said uh, after the season he anticipated remaining on the job for at least one more year with his contract set to expire in 2021. But he said reportedly he thinks executives have about a 10-year shelf life in a job, and the next year would have marked a decade since he left the Red Sox for Chicago. And he said, you know what, for a number of reasons, it's time to move on. And I think he also is going to take the next year off and just kind of chill. With no Theo Epstein for the Cubs, can the Brewers now make a little more noise? Can, I mean, they've been making noise in the NL Central. Uh, obviously, this is a good thing for the Brewers. But with Theo Epstein going down, Rowdy, does this significantly hamper the Chicago Cubs moving forward? I would think so. Well, I'm not exactly sure about that, especially with the roster that they already have kind of put together. That's still a younger roster for the next few years that are under contract. Now, I know some of those contracts are coming due here soon. But uh, Theo Epstein was very vocal about that his whole career. Yeah, like how you mentioned how he doesn't like to be in a spot in a place too long. That's why he he moved from Boston. Yeah. He wanted a new challenge. I mean, he won two World two, Series with the Boston Red Sox. Oh four and oh seven. I think it, it wasn't because they wanted him to leave. No, no. Yeah, t- ten years the shelf life, and he's got to get out of there. The Cubs. Uh, from 1909 to 2015, 107 years, did not have a World Series title under their belt. Theo Epstein comes in after uh, you know helping out the or the uh, Boston Red Sox, and the Red Sox had that what 85 year drought from 1919 to 2003. Theo Epstein comes in for the Red Sox, uh, gets two of them for the Red Sox, and then he moves on to the Chicago Cubs and gets that one in 2016. If it wasn't for that damn rain delay, I bet you we're talking about the Indians winning that World Series. But yes, Theo Epstein now moving on. Um, definitely, definitely very good at what he does. And then you look at the our backyard and the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did, Rowdy. Did you see the Mets requested to speak with the Brewers president of baseball operations, David Stearns, about the same position in New York? Yeah, but it was blocked. Yeah, the Brewers said, no, no, not happening. I think the Mets were also rumored to be on the Theo Epstein list, too. The so, Mets are looking for anything to become <laughs> a good baseball team. Wasn't that A-Rod and J-Lo looking to buy them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mets the Mets want anything. The, Met, the Mets are grasping at straws here. Oh, uh, God. When, the, when's the Mets? I'm just The Mets have always just been that franchise that you just kind of chuckle at. That's a lot of New York teams, though, isn't it? From, like, every sport. Not the Yankees, obviously. But from, like, every sport. I think the like, last time the Mets were good was when David Wright was healthy and they had uh, <laughs> Jose Reyes and Carlos Beltran and, uh, what, Carlos Delgado? Delgado, dude. Funny. Uh, let's yeah, it's see. been a while. The Johan Mets. Johan Santana. <laughs> the Mets. Uh, well, I take that back. They were pretty good in 2004. When did the Mets win the World Series last? Like in the 80s? 
I want to say in the eighties, uh, the Mets won uh, the World Series. But yeah, looking at looking at the Mets, they're they're they want something. But what they want is you know a successful GM to help their baseball team out. Obviously, with David Stearns, you know the Mets knocking on David Stearns' door with the Brewers saying no, not happening. Um, and then you have Theo Epstein with a shelf life. You know he says I don't think you should be at some place more than ten years. Theo Epstein steps down. Uh, after nine years for the Chicago Cubs. Looking at David Stearns, though, David Stearns is only 35 years old, uh, the Brewers' GM. And, you know, looking at Stearns, it was, what, 2015, the Brewers named David Stearns their next general manager to succeed Doug Melvin. Remember Doug Melvin, Rowdy? Yeah, once upon a time, he was uh, <laughs> he's actually the GM that brought in Josh Hader yeah. in that trade, yeah. So Doug Melvin, I'm sorry, David Stearns, when he replaced Doug Melvin, Stearns at 30 years old became the youngest general manager in Major League Baseball and is one year younger than Ryan Braun. <laughs> David Stearns, you know, endorsed by Craig Council, we have the hashtag and Stearns we trust. And you you have the Mets knocking on you know Stern's door now. Brewer said no, not happening. David Stern so far, Rowdy, uh, in his his five years with the Milwaukee Brewers, what would you what kind of grade would you give him? An A A all the way down to an F. What would you give the grade for David Stern's? Uh, B plus. Yeah, I'd I'd say can't say A. Yeah, B plus. I'm fine with saying B plus on that for David Stern's. He's done a lot of good things. Uh, some of the moves that haven't worked out, he has apologized for. Like, remember, it was um, the hell was that guy's name we had for Scope? Remember, Stearns brought in Scope. Yeah, Jonathan Scope. And David Stearns apologized for it once the season was over. I mean, that's a breath of fresh air to actually hear a manager come out and admit he made a mistake, or a GM, I should say, admit he made a mistake and actually own up to it. If you look at the Green Bay Packers, uh, before Brian Gutekunst, there was this guy named Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson would never, ever even come to the podium to talk about anything. If Ted made a bad move, he would never say a single word about it. He would be silent. He would just send Mike McCarthy to the wolves. Well, that's just rude. No, Ted, it's the truth. At least GM uh, GM David Stearns for the Brewers was like, hey, guys, I messed up on that Jonathan Scope trade. That's on me. My apologies. Breath of fresh air. So, David Stearns, you have... Theo Epstein stepping down after nine years for the Cubs, but he says his shelf life is 10 years. Do you think that David Stearns for the Brewers could even make it 10 years with the crew, or could he make it longer than 10 years with the crew, Rowdy? How long would you want to see Stearns continue to do what he does for uh, Milwaukee? I think right now with how well David Stearns has done as GM for the Milwaukee Brewers, yeah, it'll be how long does David Stearns want to be in Milwaukee? Yeah, do you think the like the the one thing that I get the, nervous is say, it's a stepping a team, stone. Yeah, say a team like the New York Mets or like the Boston Red Sox or someone that can write a big check. Yeah, comes and puts ten million dollars on your desk. What are you gonna do? A lot of people are gonna take the money. <laughs> yes, they would. David Stearns, you know, I don't want to. I don't want the Brewers to be a stepping stone, but I guess when he's already been here five years and you've had the amount of playoff appearances as that he has had. Um, under his belt, and you know he signed. What he he executed the trade for Christian Yelich. He won the national, who won you know MVP for the Brewers. He's got free agents like Low Kane. You know he got a, a good year out of Yulisha Sheen. You know he's orchestrated good moves of what you Mike Mustakis, 
uh, Gio Gonzalez. I mean, I'm trying to think of moves off the top of my head that had had some success for the Brewers. Stearns has done very well for well, the even, Brewers. Well, even even little small waiver wire successes like Junior Guerra. Yeah, yeah, Guerra and his performance. Uh, Wade Miley. That that little year, um, you know, Stearns has has pulled and pushed the right buttons, pulled the right levers. Uh, for the most part, no GM Bringing is going to go 100. percent Yep, Journey, Jeremy Jeffers. No GM is going to go 100. percent That's impossible. It's not going to happen. Uh, Stearns, what he signed last year, signed a contract extension, and they promoted him. You know, to president of baseball operations and general manager. Stearns, 30, I can't believe he's only 35 years old. Stearns, 35 years old. Can, you can't. Can you say the Brewers are a stepping stone? Because at five years. Three times to the playoffs, all the good moves he's pulled, he, he's he's made his impact on the organization. It's no, what do you consider like a stepping stone, Rowdy? The Milwaukee Brewers. Really? Yeah, yeah. When you, do you think the Milwaukee Brewers have the same awe, the same glimmer as no. the New York Yankees? No, but he's had a lot of success here. The Los Angeles Dodgers. So will the Brewers always be a stepping stone? Until they actually win something, they got to win the World Series to no longer be a stepping stone. I mean, what do what do Cub fans always say to you? They're we're the little brother that they have a World Series. <laughs> yeah, win something first. How many times has people like Dave from Monona said that? Win something first. We have a you World can't Series. use Dave from Monona, the guy who took yeah, Michigan no points, are going to bet against there's you. There's a lot of Cub fans Dave that from say Monona. the exact same thing. Don't you can't. At least Dave we have a one. World Series. At least we have a World Series, even though it took them over a hundred years to get that. One hundred and seven. Don't shorten those seven. So the Brewers are a stepping stone till they win the World Series, despite yeah. you know three years in, three years in a row making the playoffs, going to the NLCS, you know Game Seven against the either, Dodgers. Either they start winning, or they have an owner that's willing to spend and spend a lot of money. Do you think the Wisconsin Badger football team is a stepping stone for no. other coaches? Because that was the argument. Remember, um, well, I guess you weren't here when this was happening. Uh, Gary Anderson coming like the Badgers like we don't want a guy here for a, a short amount of time to use us as a stepping stone um, and then to go on you know off you know to the next upper tier program like you know like Brett Bielema trying to work his way up to the SEC that uh, Wisconsin was viewed as a stepping stone Wisconsin in my opinion is no longer viewed as a stepping stone but they didn't they've not won or even made the college football playoffs you know what I'm saying the the the, the Badgers were once viewed as a stepping stone. Now I think they're viewed as that. Uh, are the Badgers a premier destination? I don't think I would say premier destination. What are the Badgers? I mean, they straddle that tier one, tier two line. If they're not a stepping stone, what are they? I mean, they're a, a good, solid destination, I guess. Premier yeah, like would, be premier like would be Alabama, Alabama Ohio State, uh, would you, Clemson. But then you have other places like Michigan, who were once a premier, who were once a premier spot, and now you look at Michigan, and I know you said this multiple times. How are they going to do better than Harbaugh? But they can't even win the big game. Was it was it you who had the argument with Becker about if Michigan is still a blue blood? Yeah, and they're a blue blood. What it was a Becker that said they're not a blue blood? Yeah, I just I just said go look at who they recruit. Yeah, they're they're talking about. At Wisconsin, when they bring in a four-star four-star recruit like Graham Mertz, how it was the, one of the best recruits they've ever gotten, best quarterback recruit they've ever gotten, you know, right on down the line, right? Mm -hmm. Michigan pulls a five-star kid named Joe Milton like it's nothing, and he stinks. <laughs> he does stink. 
<laughs> but he was five star. Wisconsin doesn't get five star. No. If he would have came to Wisconsin, what would we be saying about him? We'd be in love with him until we saw him play. No, yeah. And then we'd be like, who is this guy? We got hosed. Who did those rankings on those stars? Uh, he would be the only thing you were talking about. If, yeah. if, they, if they recruited Joe Milton instead of Graham Mertz, a five versus a four star, Joe Milton would be the only thing you were talking about. And then he'd get out on the field and he wouldn't play very well, <laughs> but you would talk about him until he sucked yeah, because he was a five star and you've never seen anything like it before. You've never gotten anything like it. Michigan talks about him. Oh, it's Joe Milton for like two seconds. They throw him out on the field. He stinks. They're already clamoring for the backup because they, when they get five stars, they expect them to be five stars. Yeah. Uh, and then if we had Joe Milton, we'd be hoping and praying that Danny Vandenboom would be put into the game instead, right? Or maybe uh, Daniel Wright, that's 6'8", Phenom, out of wherever the hell he's out of. All right, so, uh, yeah, something I want to talk about today, like what are the Brewers? What, what, are, what are the sports teams here in our state as – you know, David Stearns, the Brewers GM, he's not going to be a lifer for the Milwaukee Brewers. You will see him going to a, a major market, a bigger market, you know, sometime down the road. I, well, that's my belief. What do you think? Do you think you'll see D- Stearns in a major market, you know, a couple of years from now, whenever his contract is, you know, getting, nearing the end? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised within five years if he's in a different market with a different team. And, and I mean, how long? In five years, that's fine then, right? I mean, look at Theo Epstein. He was in nine, ten years of the Red Sox, nine years of the Cubs. How long do you want to stay in the same organization trying to win with pieces? Yeah. And you, you, you've you been there a decade and you still haven't won anything. Yeah. And I mean, at some point, don't you think uh, David Stearns will get a little bit upset that, hey, man, I got this owner that doesn't really want to spend any money. I'm doing the best I can, yeah. but I don't have all the resources around me to be able to put together a winner. Yeah, with the money you keep on slashing. Like, you, or not We'll slashing, say just for example, he gets $100 million a year. Man, I wish I was with insert another team where I could get another 50, 60, 70 million dollars to play with. Yeah. Well, okay, so what about the okay, and something we'll talk about coming up. I'm thinking about stepping stones in Major League Baseball. The Kansas City Royals are they're a stepping stone, right? They won the World Series though. Did they, they did. go did they go they back were, to being a stepping stone like like immediately after or two years after that? As for like a GM? For a position, like a an organization. I mean, do you think of the Royals right now as anything? I I never think of them as anything. I mean, they had a ton of good Young players that they drafted and or acquired when they were still in the minor leagues as prospects yeah, that came up all at the same time and were all good. I feel like you, you somehow captured lightning in a bottle. And then... It was two great years from the Royals where they went to back-to-back yeah. World Series. What have they done since? What did they do Nothing. before? So that's my question. Like, If the Brewers were to win the World Series, would they still be a stepping stone afterwards? Kind of like the Royals? Until they spend more money, yeah. Man, all right, interesting conversation. We'll keep talking about it. Got gone at 60. Get you caught up the national headlines coming up. What are the Brewers? Theo Epstein leaves the Cubs after nine years, says he shouldn't be somewhere after 10. I'd be fine if Stearns being here for another five. See what happens. All right, RJ, so before we were talking about the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Theo Epstein has uh, hung it up for the Chicago Cubs after nine years, and he said you shouldn't be somewhere after 10 years. And we were then you know, talking about David Stearns and what he means for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Rowdy gave him a B plus for his five years so far. I I'm inclined to agree. What would you? Uh, what's your uh, you know grade for the Brewers GM and president of baseball operations? 
you can't really complain with what he's done. No. I mean, um, we were trying to figure it out of, of bad moves, and it's really not that many. Yeah, Jonathan Scope. And he apologized um, for that. And then... Apologize. You know, whatever you want to call this past season, I think you let some pieces go away that probably could have stayed. Um, yeah. You let Wade Miley go. That one still hurts. Um, when you know what he got... You, you definitely could have paid him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big one for me is the Chris Davis. What they got back for Chris Davis. Oh, I was going to say, I'd, I wasn't too sad to see him go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what they got back was Bubba Derby and Jacob Nottingham, yep. which Nottingham has not amounted to anything. And no. I don't even think Bubba Derby's ever surfaced in the major no, leagues. I don't think he has. But Good baseball I, at, name, though. At least though. this year you saw something out of Jacob Nottingham. But I mean, if you had a guy named Bubba Derby, doesn't he sound like he'd be like a Hall of Fame baseball player? Yeah, I guess it, more like in like the twenties or thirties. Is he the one who was drafted by Kansas City uh, and was gonna play quarterback for Nebraska, but chose baseball and then Bubba Derby? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm trying to think of who that. I know was. Jacob Nottingham had offers to play college football. Yeah, and to- there there's somebody with that close to. The name of like Bubba Derby. The, I don't think he's gotten above Double A though. Yeah, he has not. Yeah, I'm looking at his stats that. right here. I mean, if this was the 20s or the 30s, if your name's Bubba Derby, you're a shoe in Hall of Famer. Bubba Derby. But Ebo, no, but we are in the 20s, Ebo. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Different kind of 20s. I, maybe he would be a Hall of Famer this year for the Brewers uh, in the 2020 season. Yeah. Who knows? Because be any much worse than some of the people you put at lead off. Well, to Rowdy's point, I mean, in 2020, up is down, right is wrong, black is white, and you know, left is right. The upside down. It's, it's the bizarro world. Stinks. But yeah, I mean, looking at David Stearns, there's not many things he's done. So then we were talking about stepping stones. Like, is the Milwaukee Brewers uh, viewed as a stepping stone right now? Or will they yeah. be, continue to be viewed as a stepping stone? And Rowdy said they got to win the World Series. They got to win something. I think they got to win something, and or they got to start spending money well, because being I th- a small market, I think no matter what, you're going to be a stepping stone. Yeah, because like he, I brought up the Kansas City Royals. They won the World Series, and then they got to another World Series, and you're like, okay, wow. Well, but after two years, you're just like, they're back to being the Kansas City Royals. Sometimes mm-hmm. I forget they even exist. But they still don't open up their wallets either. Yeah. I feel like you can be a small market and still have a huge wallet. You might just be taking losses. Mm-hmm. But that's what you have to do to not be a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 a sport where there's no salary cap. That's the, yeah. That that's I think what will forever doom the Brewers when it comes to, you know, not being a stepping stone to your point rowdy is yeah, the salary cap or lack thereof. Like if, the salary cap. If you're working in a in a smaller market like RJ said, like say Say, Ebo, you wanted to be the next Colin Coward out in L.A. Colin Coward's making, what, seven figures? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be happy with just being in Madison. Cal if, that was your, if your goal was to be a seven-figure sports host, it's always going to be a stepping stone. Yeah. Well, unless, but, some people don't want unless, to, but some people don't want to be out there to do that. But if also, if you're good enough, at least in this industry, you can get syndicated. Yeah, and then no, we're on we're on a bunch get, of stations right now. Good get, morning, good morning, Wisconsin. You can get paid to stay here, but be on in other places, and you know, well, some people don't want to move out and do that. You know, it's like um, yeah, I understand what you're but, saying. But yeah, the analogy is spot yeah. on. Yeah, like, I get it. The Brewers aren't going to pay me. Yeah, uh, let's go over there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Prince Fielder did it. Um, you know, for the short time he was here, the offer 
They made CC Sabathia was good. The Yankees was better. Uh, Unfortunately, right. Uh, so yeah, you're. Did you guys think CC was gonna stay? Part of me because yeah. I was a younger kid and I really <laughs> wanted it to happen, but then when you start talking numbers and it's like, oh, the Brewers are offering this. You haven't become the Yankees have now offered this. You were young well, and we'll see you in New York. Bye. You weren't jaded yet, Rowdy. You were just you were still bushy eyed, bright eyed, bright eyed, bushy tailed. Like, oh, I'm not yeah, jaded and, yet. And hopeful that a big name would stick in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, Prince, I thought was gonna stay. That one where I was like, yeah, Hovatow discount. Well, so then, uh, the, then we started talking about too, like, what are the Wisconsin Badger? What's the Wisconsin Badger football team? Because remember when Gary Anderson came, they're like, well, we don't want a coach that's going to be here for a flash in the pan and use us as a stepping stone. And yeah. then Brett Bielema, made, I mean, like he, he's like, well, did Brett Bielema use Wisconsin as a stepping stone to try and get to the SEC? Because his comments when he was out the door kind of seemed that way. But Wisconsin, Wisconsin to me is not a stepping stone. No, it hasn't been ever in its life. Yeah, but um, do you remember those conversations we had when Bielema was leaving and then Gary Anderson coming in? If yeah. anything, the stepping stone for Bielema is whatever type of positions coach he is right now or was with the new england patriots well and they're still <laughs> figuring out that uh, lawsuit yeah they're getting su- uh, that was a getting stepping su- stone to yeah, walk around the contracts but <laughs> i i don't think wisconsin has ever been a stepping stone uh mostly because uh when they were good they were good and their coaches were there for a while yeah um when they were bad nobody wanted to be here so it's not like anybody was using it to to vault themselves elsewhere. Uh, Gary Anderson, I think, real stinker, didn't hear what he was being told and thought he could do it his way, <laughs> and was told, "Nah, brah, that's not well, how think, it works here." If I could, you look you at nah, brah. If you look at uh, Paul Christ and what he's done in his career, mm-hmm. he used Pitt as the stepping yeah, stone to, to come back, back to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. Um, but but then he stayed with Pitt. He's like, well, I don't want to leave right away because I want to. Like, didn't he wait a little bit to stay with Pitt? Didn't he want to jump yeah, was, ship right away? It was just the he was there three years. Yeah, uh, one year, the last year of Bielema, and two years of Anderson, and then he came back. Yeah, um, Gary Anderson. I can't. That just makes me cringe. And a, apparently, the only reason he wasn't back after that one year is because Alvarez said I. Helped him land that job. I'm not going to take it away from Pitt until two years from now. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I'll give um, him three. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's Bielema, like being on notice, put in a different Bielema way. Maybe used it as a stepping stone. I don't know what you really want to call it because when you're being that successful and you fabricate a story of my assistants don't get paid. Well, the assistants you brought in weren't producing all Big Ten players. And the assistants that were leaving were coordinators leaving for head coaching jobs and position coaches leaving for coordinator jobs. It, that, you're not talking about a fair pay scale there when you're getting a promotion and they can't get promoted within. So, uh, yeah, whatever you want to say. Uh, and it, the Do you sad think thing he really is, used it as a stepping stone, though? I mean, because he went to Arkansas. He, he didn't thought go, it was. He didn't go to Florida. He yeah. didn't go to Alabama. He didn't go to LSU, Auburn, you know, all the huge powerhouses. Yeah. Well, what did he see about the SEC, though? He's like, well, I can finally have a shot at winning a national championship. No, he said, I can finally pay. He said, I can finally pay my assistant coaches and they'll stay. And you know what? They stayed and they sucked. Next Wednesday, folks, November 25th. That is when the college basketball season starts. There is still not a college basketball schedule out yet. There's a couple 
Yeah. We got what, Marquette, Louisville, and Northern Iowa? Was that yep. what it was? was and there, was there one more? Oh and yeah. And don't forget Eastern Illinois. Oh, and Eastern Illinois. Yeah. How dare I forget Eastern Illinois? We've pieced it together a little bit. There's no schedule out yet. How, how big of a deal is that? Well, considering uh, you have about 20 college basketball programs that aren't practicing right now due to COVID. Um, and yeah, you sent me that all that tweet. How many? Have, was that the tweet from Rothstein of all the guys yeah, that weren't playing? Of all the schools that are currently shut down due to COVID protocols. Um, yeah, here. Let me let me read this. Uh, out of the Ivy League, there's eight. Well, they're, they canceled. They're the done, yeah. yeah. Alabama State, UConn, Iona, uh, Seton Hall, Winthrop, Indiana State, Sacred Heart, uh, Niagara, Belmont, uh, Marist, Ryder, Marshall, Albany, Stetson, Siena, UMass Lowell, Syracuse, Oakland, USC, Upstate, the Citadel, Vermont. There's a bunch of other ones, too. I just don't want to read them. Sounds so, like a lot of East Coast teams. You got to 22 there. Um, I, there's more. I just didn't want to read them I'm all. I'm just saying, you got to 22 there. Yeah. Um, so... And you have uh, coaches like Rick Pitino but saying like, we should quick, delay the start. Like Vermont's on here. Vermont, I guess, has no current cases at all, but they're taking the extra cautionary side uh, from the uh, their health department, and they're saying this is a smart move. But they're canceled still, so they're yeah. canceled because of Well, it's the same thing COVID. with the Ivy League. They're just, yeah, like, they're just canceled. not doing sports this year. So with all these, and who was saying they didn't want to, they should delay the start of the season? Uh, Rick Pitino. What is he got a little affair on the side that he's got to like you know close the case on before Maybe. he starts coaching again or something? But he was talking about delaying the start of the season and moving March Madness to May. Well, Wisconsin's supposed to play Eastern Illinois in a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they only have actually one official date and time, and that would be Marquette. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and what we found out is the NCAA is going to do absolutely nothing about it and let individual conferences. Uh, make the the decisions. The NCAA is such. There's such a bunch of donkeys. Right. Like step up and well, make I mean, a decision. Yeah, we've talked about that many years. You know, it's funny when you start watching college football and they start playing all the ads for the colleges. Yeah. You know how it's like Wisconsin's forward thinking, and they have all those different type of ads, and then you'll obviously throw in the NCAA ads, and they'll always be like leaders. We're leaders in the community. We're leaders in the classroom. You don't lead Jack Bleep. <laughs> yeah, it's – yeah, we've – we can – I mean, it's – the NCAA has won D-bag of the week multiple oh, times. The, the, they're habitual D-bag winners. Would you rather be a leader or a legend, though? <laughs> Remember those stupid things? Yep. The leaders and the legends. He is the leader of the legends division well, they have, in rushing. One what? thing we do see coming into kind of fruition is the fact, okay, we don't have a college basketball schedule out yet, but the NCAA has announced that uh, they're thinking all of the rounds of the NCAA tournament is going to be in one spot, likely Indianapolis. Now they're going to have already the final four there, but at least they're having some sort of decision of, hey, Let's all get to one area. But then I think about it like, are the optics really that good of taking all of the teams in the NCAA tournament and putting them in one spot? I mean, honestly, Indianapolis is a city that's built to kind of do that. It has a lot of hotels. Um, you have three universities within the city limits, I believe, is that Indianapolis, all have an arena. Is Indianapolis America's conference center? Sure. I don't know. 
They're, they're built for that. I mean, they have all the It's big a crossroads of America. They yeah. have more intersecting interstates yeah. than any other city Love in the it. U.S. Is there well, a- Indiana's also open for business. Yeah, there is also that. You're right. Indiana. Uh, a lot of states are go, shutting but, down. They're they're open. But yeah, I mean, it, you have. I mean, you could probably drop four courts in and at, at Lucas Oil and play four games at a time right there. All right, I, no, I doubt that's going to happen. That'd be pretty cool, though. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be schedule really cool. schedule your little games with Marquette in Eastern Illinois. You know, you'll have about ten of them, and then screw it, straight to Indiana. We're going to have a big bubble, double elimination tournament. Everyone's invited. Dude, the double bubble. Every, I, I don't think you could put all 300 teams in there. If you're man enough, find space. <laughs> if you're man enough and can foot the bill, come on down to the double bubble and let's get it underway. Once Indiana's done playing let's football, go. we'll open up their uh, their facilities as like a little hotel. I think that would be kind of cool if you did like a gigantic all NCAA ba- well Division One basketball tournament. That'd be pretty double cool. elimination. Yeah. I mean, let's get weird with it. If they're not going to have a schedule right now, let's get weird with it. Can you imagine huh. that bracket? No. <laughs> Who? How'd you seed it? Like someone's like, dude, I need a raise if I'm going to seed this one. We have 320 teams, sir. Yep. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> well, you got some time. <laughs> have at it. Uh, so earlier though, the early round games for the NCAA tournament were scheduled at 13 predetermined sites across the country: uh, Minneapolis, Denver, Memphis, Tennessee, and New York City. With the first four, I hate the first four in Dayton, Ohio. Always is first four. Stop. Uh, so the NCAA, uh, yeah, they said they want to just do it all in one location. They would allow safe and controlled environment with venues, practice facilities, lodging, uh, and medical resources all near each other. I don't know, man. Trying to run an or, event of 68 teams, 67 teams over the course of three weeks in one area. That's tough. Or that's at least tough. maybe they could break it down into four bubbles. Indiana, Florida, somewhere in Florida, somewhere in Texas, and maybe like a Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean. But I think the they're just trying to. Tra- cut Even. down on cost or well, uh, travel. Travel. So, yeah. like, once a a bubble's done, they don't want to have the travel from. Yeah, but How it makes you, sense. Who would? What would you rather do? Be the guy to seed an entire thirty or three hundred plus team tournament, or the guy or girl that has to make the traveling and arrangements, living arrangements for sixty eight teams in one area. Well, normally, isn't it just one person from the university that would be doing that for the? No, particular the, the, team. The NCAA takes care of all the tournament, yeah. so they pay for all. the And this isn't normal and, anymore. And lodging uh, once the NCAA tournament starts. I'd rather put together the bracket. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Just, That'd be you very sit fun. Down, yeah, break out some crayons. Break out the big. <laughs> maybe a couple drinks. I draw. I drew it outside the lines. A couple I drinks. Wanted to. People are like, man, why the hell is Citadel ranked so high? Oh yeah, I was a bottle, <laughs> half a bottle of bourbon. In We're not done yet. We're not. <laughs> Well, why is this team ranked so low and this team so high? I don't know, man. That's when I was on my bender that day. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun to see that whole tournament. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, so Indianapolis, I think that's where they're going to go. The Final Four is already going to be there. Um, November 25th, that's the start date for the season. I don't know. I don't know, man. The NCAA needs to have a tournament this year because the cancellation of the NCAA tournament last year, uh, or March, led to a 3 they, what last season. Last season, excuse me. <laughs> led to a $375 million shortfall in revenue uh, distribution to member institutions, putting a huge strain, obviously, on athletic departments across the country. Uh, the money that it was lost was insane. I still... What was more shocking when the Rona first happened? That the that the NBA shut down completely? Or they just called off March Madness? Calling off March Madness? Because at least in the NBA, you had one guy who was... 
licking microphones and kissing people and touching everything he yeah, could. Yeah, freaking Pepe Le Pew. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it was more the cancellation of the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. We were like, whoa, what's going on here? I need this. Oh, I couldn't believe that. At first, I was like, "Wow, they shut down the big, or they shut down the NBA." And then when you saw freaking Nebraska's head coach out there, like dying, he had the flu, but he just had the flu. I was and like, he, "This does not look like, good." Why do you? Why was he out there? Yeah, you have the flu. I don't know. I don't know. We'll keep talking about it coming up. The unofficial preseason Big Ten media poll. The polls conducted by twenty-eight writers from around the conference, two per team. And they tell you what they think is going to happen, these big J's who think they're smarter and better than everyone else. So with it, here is, um, you know, we saw the rankings come out. What I was Iowa ranked the highest and the Badgers and then Illinois after them, I think, then Michigan State. And we saw a lot of people giving Iowa the love to win the Big Ten and Wisconsin coming in second. Well, the media members that cover these teams, like I said, two each uh, beat writer from around the conference get a vote. And right now, um, at last place, they're going with Northwestern. Nebraska's got to breathe a sigh of relief right there as they're finished second to last. Penn State 12th, Minnesota 11th, Maryland the Terrapins 10th, Purdue 9th, Indiana 8th, Ohio State 7th, Michigan 6th, Rutgers 5th, Michigan State 4th. And according to the top three, according to the uh, – the beat writers around the conference. Your top three. Three is the Wisconsin Badgers. Iowa coming in at second. And the Fighting Illini of Illinois coming in number one for the Big Ten media poll. What do you guys think? Illinois, uh, the Big Jays who think they're smarter and better than all of us say Illinois is going to win the Big Ten. Iowa second, Wisconsin third, and Michigan State fourth. Cool. Illinois. Number one. Yeah, well, they, well, they're a good they team. Find, they, yeah, they have good recruits, and people are finally staying. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, let's see, the fighting line I were the favorite, obviously. Let's see, the Spartans earned first-team honors. Um, but, um, man, it was – it was Wisconsin will finish fourth, but – Wisconsin will finish in the top four, I should say, but where will they finish? I still like Bucky's chances of winning this thing. They just – look at the seniors. Look at, look at the experience they have in that uh, – in the program right now. Wisconsin Badgers looking good. Brody, are you going to say something? Yeah, I'm just just going off. I mean, look at the teams that Wisconsin played after they lost Kobe King. The team looked a lot different just as a whole. Yeah, like really they, good. Like they played much better as a team, and now they lost to Illinois when Kobe King was still on the roster. And I think that Iowa game – might have been when Kobe King was in limbo. I'm trying to remember exactly the timeline here. That Iowa game was what? You're talking about in January? Uh, yeah, when Wisconsin. Yeah. You're talking about one of the one they, well, the one when they, they lost to Iowa at Iowa. I think that's kind of right around when Kobe King was in limbo where he was like sitting out. Am I crazy here? Sorry, I had I was reading. I'm trying that. to remember. Uh, that was I. I don't remember exactly the timeline on that one. I'm trying to get the schedule up here. So the Wisconsin because the next game after was February 1st, which would have been the Michigan State game where Brad Davison had to sit out. Yeah, because they lost to Iowa. Yeah, you're right. They lost to Iowa 62 to 68, and then they came uh, at. The Cole Center, and they shocked Michigan State, beating them 64 to 63. And that's when, yeah. 
King was gone. Brad Davison was out for punching someone in the nuts. And Potter wasn't there and yet. And Potter wasn't playing yet, and they still won. And that was the one that sparked everything. No, Potter was playing at that time. That was that was it. Was his first game the Iowa game then? No, he can't. He was playing at the beginning of January. Really? I'll, yeah. just, I'll just pull the but box the, right here. But the, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, Potter did play. Leading uh, up to that week where they got blown out by Purdue and they lost to Iowa, I think that was kind of the Kobe King fallout and the Eric Helen fallout. Yeah. Yeah. If I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Because then the two teams that are picked to finish ahead of Wisconsin this year, Illinois was a one one point loss. Kobe King was still on the roster. It didn't look like a team that really gelled too well. Mm-hmm. That was, if I remember correctly, just the second game of uh, Potter being back. And then Iowa, where everything just seemed like it was unraveling at that time. Yeah. Yeah, Potter was back in that game, 13 points. Let's see, Kobe I'd King. Love to... Kobe King was the leading scorer in that game in that loss to Illinois, actually, 21 points. And it was a loss. Yeah, yeah. because if I remember correctly <laughs> in that one, that was the, the game where Illinois was up by one, but Wisconsin had the basketball towards the end, and they didn't get it to Kobe King, and he looked pretty peeved. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. he was yeah. like on the yeah, right, you're right wing. Good memory, Rowdy. He was on like the right wing. And then he cried. And they, they <laughs> kind of looked at him, and then they went away from him. If I Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. And then that's, I think, that Illinois game, now that I think about it more, where he didn't get the ball at the end of the game when he was the leading scorer. So and people kind of went home. Yeah, people <laughs> kind of were like, man, I'm, why didn't they get it to Kobe King? But ever since then, that would have been January 8th. We had the Kobe King debacle in January 20s. Yeah. And then February 1st, with all the, with Brad Davison out and other players out, and everyone's like, oh my God. Because what, I think Michigan State was ranked. Were they in the teens, 14 at the time? They Then Michigan State came in, and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to throttle the Badgers. Badgers win a, a stunner at the Kohl Center, 64-63. to 63, And then they they followed it up with a bad loss uh, in Minnesota, 70-52, to 52, and then they just rattled off victory after victory after victory. Boom, 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 boom. After Minnesota, they beat Ohio State. They beat Nebraska. They beat Purdue. They beat Rutgers. They beat Michigan. They beat Minnesota. They beat Northwestern. Then they beat Indiana to you know get a share and win the Big Ten, and then canceled. Well, I think we just figured it out. <laughs> November eighteenth, twenty twenty, we figured out what happened last basketball season. I think well, it was Ohio State was um, Potter's first game back, if I remember correctly, and that was when he was finally able to play in January. They got the win. Then Illinois, which was a good Illinois team, they played well enough to win. Didn't go to Kobe King down the stretch. He starts whining about it. All of a sudden becomes a a team cancer. And then in the late January 20s is where the whole Eric Helland-Kobe King debacle happens. And then by what was that? Early February, they go on a winning winning streak where Kobe King's no longer on the roster. Potter's been there for a month. Yep. The team looks completely different. Yep. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm excited to see like you get a full season now of Potter. You have Kobe King off of the team. The distraction is gone. You have the experience that is uh, all over that roster with all the seniors. You have the good freshmen, you know, coming in. You have Greg Guard, Coach of the Year, getting it done. He even, you know, Badgers are reigning NCAA champions as Guard proclaimed right here on these own airwaves. Pretty excited, yeah. yeah. I feel like the Badgers are always given like this, like, oh, I don't think they're going to do it. They'll probably finish fourth. And then they shock the world and win the uh, the Big Ten. Like la- last year was the greatest. <laughs> last year was probably the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And then the world ended. 
just stopped. It was the it's still the, a, the year of the year. RJ still. RJ, fourteen <laughs> days, fifteen days, or whatever to slow the spread. That was like a year ago almost. Oh my god! Eight yeah, actually, ago. Oh, actually, yesterday, <laughs> I told you that yesterday I saw the uh, tweet, Ebo. What? November. 17th, 2019, first COVID case in China. Oh, recorded. yeah, that was yesterday oh, on this day in history. Packers, this is crazy to me that the Packers have not had their full complement of quote-unquote weapons since week one. Um, Pretty wild, man. As Lazard goes down in week three, obviously against the Saints with that core muscle that he injured, required surgery. Um, Wow, I, I didn't know how long he'd be out. I thought he'd be out longer than this, but here we go. I mean... Alan Lazard must be doing a lot of planks, getting that core strength back up. The last time everyone saw Lazard, uh, he was dominating the Saints at six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. His night included a 72-yard run and catch. Now, for the season, Lazard has 13 grabs for 254 yards and two scores. Now, like I said earlier, the Packers have not had their full complement of weapons for an entire game since week one. Uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams obviously missed two and a half games. Aaron Jones set out two games. Jamal Williams forced out because of COVID-19 reasons. Uh, the Packers, though, despite not having all their weapons, still sit with the NFC best record at 7-2. and two, And they'll travel to Indy this Sunday to take on the Colts. Rowdy getting Alan Lazard back. Um, obviously, it's it's how big is it for the Packers? It's big, but how big is it for the Packers? They've still been good without him, you would say. I mean, they're 7-2. and two. How big is it to get Alan Lazard back? Is he the second? Is he the true second number two wide receiver for the Packers? Well, I think what you saw from Alan Lazard this year was that he was starting to come into his own. Right, mm-hmm. the first game against Minnesota, he had four catches, sixty-three yards, and a touchdown. Game two against Detroit, three catches, forty-five yards, and then obviously the last game where he got hurt against the uh, New Orleans Saints, six catches, hundred forty-six yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, he started to be a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers behind Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make you any worse. No, I mean, it, it makes it, gives you more depth, makes you better, definitely. Um, if anything, hopefully this continues to either open up more opportunities for guys like Devontae Adams where they can't just completely double them, yeah. or maybe this helps open up more potential passes for MVS. Because you saw... The MVS has been looking better. Once again, he had a pretty big game against Jacksonville, but then he also had some drops. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams had a fumble, and Devontae Adams didn't look you know, the greatest either. But, yeah, I mean, MVS, you, no one's going to catch all the 100% of the passes thrown their way unless maybe you're like DeAndre Hopkins. But, yeah, MVS have been looking better. The fact that you get Alan, another body back in Alan Lazard, to your point, Nelly, yeah, frees up more for Devontae Adams, frees up more maybe for MVS. You know, maybe Alan Lazard uh, picks up right where he uh, – left off before he hurt his core injury. I'm I'm excited to see what Lazard brings back to the table. Remember when they said they thought he was done for the year? Yeah, like it was the the timeline Most was like indefinitely possible. He was done for the year or maybe if he was lucky he'd be able to come back towards the end of the season or maybe playoffs. Yeah. Well, they're getting him back. Pretty crazy. Um the Packers when they had okay, I just saw this tweet. The Packers scored sixty points in the six quarters when they had Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon all available at the same time. Now it's very small sample size, but Alan Lazard brings a brings a lot of uh, not a lot, but brings more obviously to that Packers offense and just freeing up guys. All right, so speaking of that Packers offense. 
Glad Alan Lazard is back. We didn't really talk too much about it besides our, like our, our jaw hit the floor when we saw how much money he was getting. David Bakhtiari is uh, now the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. You know, premier at his position, obviously. Um, I never really got your take on it. Uh, David Bakhtiari, when it came to, you know, the big names coming up in free agency for the Packers, David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, uh, Aaron Jones, Kevin King. I guess you can throw Jamal Williams in there as well. Uh, David Bakhtiari, was was this the right guy to throw the big money at? Was this the guy to be like, hey, we're paying you first and we're going to figure out the rest later? Of course. I think David Bakhtiari had to be number one on the Packers list of who to re-sign. I mean, an athletic left tackle that's one of the best in the league that that can play like David Bakhtiari has played over his career, they don't come around too often. Yeah, he's rare. And when you, when you got one, you got to lock him up. Rare like Mr. Clean with hair. And even look at what he's done this year. So he was, he's been banged up this year. He's still graded out as the sixth best left tackle. Yeah, you had to sure him up too, uh, and he's got a nice rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, nice. Now the Packers him. have done quite well shuffling that offensive line, having people fill in at left tackle while Bakhtiari was out. Mm-hmm. But we, you don't want to go through a whole season without having a solid left tackle. I mean, that's Aaron Rodgers' blindside. You got to sure that up. That had to be number one on their list of things to get done. Speaking of blindside, I saw this in this in this little quip I have here. They actually quote the movie The Blind Side about David Bakhtiari. Quote, because as every housewife knows, the first check you write is for the mortgage, but the second is for the insurance. And the left tackle's job is to protect the quarterback from what he can't see coming to protect his blind side. There you go, Rowdy. How about that? You'd see that movie? I have seen that movie. <laughs> Good movie. Yeah, David Bakhtiari getting shirt up is definitely the right move for the Green Bay Packers. Extended him for another four years, up to $105.5 million of new money. Base contract worth $23 mil a year. Could reach up to $23.5 mil. Uh, and the new contract, like I said earlier, makes him the highest paid offensive lineman in history. David Bakhtiari, you know, definitely worth it. He's very good. And, I mean, agent 69, how can you not love it? Bakhtiari has played over 7,000 career snaps at left tackle, but has allowed only 28 career sacks. That's per pro football focus. Half of those sacks came during his first two NFL seasons. Wow. That's incredible. And the dude can chug a mean beer. Saw that at the Bucks game. All right, so we now have David Bakhtiari inked up for you know the foreseeable future. Now the Packers have some, some uh, nut-cutting time when it comes to what do you do with some more money here. Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Jamal Williams. Kevin King's gone. There's no, I would I would bet anything that Kevin King will no longer be on the Packers next year. I think that's like the easiest bet around, don't you think? Yeah, especially when uh, Josh Jackson still has uh, one more year and he's played pretty much the other end when King and uh, Jair Alexander have both been out. Yeah. So, Rowdy, looking at these guys you got coming up here, let's just let's start with the running backs. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Running backs, eh. running backs in the NFL in today's NFL, you can replace guys pretty quickly, can't you? Or in the draft, isn't it easier to get go get a guy that you know maybe you use a, a little higher of a draft pick? And I think that's what Lafleur and those guys are doing, maybe for insurance, because one of the guys is going to be gone. Do you think 
Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones? Or is one gone or both gone or both staying? There's no way both stay. Well, I think the first thing you need to figure out is who do you want to keep? Corey Lindsley or Aaron Jones? Because that's that's the next two dominoes that you have to figure out. All right, so now let's does, break it down. Does Gutekunst want to keep Corey Lindsley? Because he's graded out as the third best center so far. Yeah, he's looking good. And it's not like Corey Lindsley's 38 years old. He's still relatively younger. A lot of question marks. I mean, does Brian Gutekunst, he just, he just I don't want to say wasted, but he just used a second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. We haven't seen much from him. Do you think that move was him saying, like, hey, one of these guys or both these guys possibly going to be gone and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? I think, I think what, Jamal Williams, odd man out here? I don't, I don't know. I think but he's having a nice season. You can go one of two ways. One way, you keep, you keep uh, Jamal Williams. You let Aaron Jones go, and you re-sign Corey Lindsley, right? Mm-hmm. Now you continue to have a bunch of depth on your offensive line. Going into next season, if you re-sign Corey Lindsley and you re-sign Jamal Williams, you would have Bakhtiari and Lindsley would be your two big-time cornerstones on the offensive line. You'd still have Billy Turner. You'd still have Rick Wagner next year. You'd still have Elton Jenkins. You'd still have Lucas Patrick. John Runyon obviously would still be on the team. That would allow you to still have a lot of depth on the offensive line and under contract. Now, at the running back position, you would still have your number, your second-round pick in A.J. Dillon, who hasn't gotten a ton of carries. And you would still, I would most likely think they would re-sign Jamal Williams to a much more team-friendly deal than what they could get Aaron Jones for. Well, because remember, earlier in the season, Aaron Jones was talking about, like, Aaron Jones was saying they almost worked out a contract, and then you didn't hear anything about it. So like, yeah, I'm leaving that to my agent, but we're getting close to a contract. Remember that? Like week two, Aaron Jones is like, yeah, we got a contract coming up. Then you didn't hear anything about it. I mean, but if you go the other way and say you sign Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is gone. Yeah. No well, doubt yeah, about it. No doubt. But also Corey Lindsley's probably gone. So now you're going to have to reshuffle that line. Yeah, because uh, Aaron Jones is going to pay a decent amount of money. Now, now guys on the team that could play center, Lucas Patrick, Elkin Jenkins, mm-hmm. John Runyon, have all, all have the ability to play center. But now you're thinning out that line. Now, do you want to have a, a thinner running backs room or a thinner offensive line with Aaron Rodgers? Now we also have to look at what does Brian Gutekunst want to do with the draft. In my opinion, he's been more successful drafting offensive linemen than he has drafting skilled positions. Yeah, he needs to take that first-round pick and just I mean, trade it or something. Just his last two drafts, I mean, he drafted John Runyon, who looks like a pretty solid pick in limited time, and Elkin Jenkins, who's been pretty yep, good. Yep, yep. Now those were two offensive sides. Now AJ Dillon hasn't gotten a ton of run, but I haven't really been impressed by him. Who Dillon? Yeah, yeah, I haven't really seen him. I mean, the only positive thing about him is he got COVID nineteen. Every single wide receiver. I'm not talking positive in a good way. So he's COVID nineteen positive. Every single wide receiver that uh, Brian Gutekunst has drafted is either not on the roster or, or is uh, MVS. Yeah. Um, St. Brown, they're well, very inconsistent. All right, you're looking at uh, a bunch of these future contracts here for the Green Bay Packers. What did you say over the over the break, that the Packers could trot out the exact same wide receiving core next year? And they probably will. Yeah, which is scary. <laughs> I mean, you have Devontae Adams in his last year of his contract next year. Same with Valdez Scantling. Same with St. Brown. And then you'd have, after this season, Malik Taylor, Darius Shepard, Alan Lazard, I mean, they're all restricted free agents, so I mean, they could all be back for relatively cheap. God, yeah. Would any other team pay for those guys? <laughs> Devin Funchess's contract also has to be honored. 
Yeah, uh, he opted out because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, and uh, man, Packers, the Packers are going to be looking a lot different coming up here. Um, so Bakhtiari getting paid, Bakhtiari that line getting shored up. Now the question is, what do you do next? Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Jamal Williams. If it was up to you, Rowdy, if you were in the hands of Brian Gutekunst, besides cutting Rashawn Gary, what would you do? <laughs> I would probably go with signing Corey Lindsley because he's still just 29 years old. You can probably still get another good contract out of him. He was graded as the number three center so far through this NFL season. You would just have an extremely good offensive line when you can say you have David Bakhtiari locked down, you have Corey Lindsley locked down, you have Elkton Jenkins locked down for another few seasons for extremely cheap. You also have John Runyon locked down for another three, four years. He's extremely cheap and has seemed pretty durable. And then Billy Turner's still under contract, and so is Rick Wagner. I feel like you have plenty of depth. Yeah. And to the flip side of that, I would go with uh, Lindsley just because you know that running backs don't last. They don't. Aaron Jones Aaron, has been looking pretty damn good those past two Aaron, years. Aaron Jones has looked extremely good the last two years, but he's also been banged up those last two years, and he's not a huge running back. He's, what, 5'10", yeah, 205 he's pounds. He's, not, he's a not a big bruiser either, and he's shown that he's had some injury issues. Plus, I think you could get Jamal Williams, who's been relatively productive as well for a lot cheaper. You would. Plus, you, you used your second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. Yeah. Why – would you use a second round pick on a running back if, if you're not going, to use, going to use him in the future, especially when he's going to be relatively cheap the next three years after this season? Doesn't make sense, right? No, it doesn't. Just like why would you why would you use a, a third round pick on a on a tight end slash H back you probably could have got the same thing for in the fifth round. Yeah. Why would you there's trade a, up there's a lot of questions with Gutekunst and his drafts the last three years. Why would you trade up to go for Jordan Love if you weren't going to use him in about three years? You know what I'm saying? Why would you I think the biggest Brian Gutekunst question is, why haven't you drafted a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? And my other big question is, why did you reach so far for Rashawn Gary last year with the 12th overall pick? Why did you draft a project? When, and when you're at 12, you should be drafting a guy who has immediate, well, immediate success. If you're drafting 12, your team's obviously not very good. Your team obviously needs help places. Mm-hmm. You need to get someone that can come in and contribute right away. Not a project that you hope in three years could be good. Now, in his defense, though, Gary did look good against that Jaguars game. He was one He was one bright spot. I know they got a win, but it was still that uh, somewhat of a of a glimmer, a bright not, spot. Do you not see the pattern that keeps occurring with the, the Rashawn-Gary stands? Every time he <laughs> makes one or two plays, he played great, and they'll talk about him. But then the other, I don't know, eight games this year where you've hardly heard of him, you don't hear anything from those people. And it's literally like two plays and they'll get excited. Hey, you got to get excited about something, right, Rowdy? Uh, let's see here. In that game, though, it was it was Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. I mean, they came to life, especially in the final two drives to close things out. That was when Rodgers was out there on the field kind of directing traffic for the defense because Mike Pettin couldn't do it. Uh, but, yeah, Rashawn Gary got a sack. And uh, Preston Smith, if, back-to-back if plays, Preston maybe. Smith keeps playing like he has been for the most part this season, Man, I don't know how much, how bad the Packers and Brian Gutekunst are really want to be paying him over $16 million in the coming years. Yeah, Preston Smith needs to pick it up a little bit. Uh, Jeff at Packers JT, he was talking about Kevin King, and Rowdy went to the research department went underway. Uh, Jeff said Kevin King is the epitome of the best, of, uh, the best ability is availability. 
And has he missed the same number of games played? It seems like it. And Nelson, you went and looked at of how many games Kevin King has missed as he's in a contract year. Can you give us the number? Yeah, he's missed out of 57 possible regular season games, 23. Wow. That's uh, about 40%. That's not good. And as what Jeff said in his tweet, uh, it's also a saying from Mike McCarthy, the best ability is availability. The best thing you can do is be available. Kevin King is never available. And when he is, you kind of no, – you, you see flashes once in a while, but you're like, no, it's not worth it. Packers have played nine games. He's only appeared in four. <laughs> Get that, man. You know, Ben Roethlisberger always busts out the walking boot after a game. Kevin King busts out the body cast, the full body cast when he's done playing. Kevin King has never played in every single game in a season. The That's, most he's ever played in was 15. When you look at him, does he just does, doesn't he just look kind of frail? You look at me like this guy, this guy just looks like he's a walking injury. Kevin King will not I think this will be the easiest. What if you ever set lines at for Vegas? Odds of Kevin King not coming back to the Packers, what would it be like minus like 5000? Yeah, minus 500 probably. <laughs> Kevin King is... You uh, never know what Gutekunst is going to do. Yeah, that's true. Kevin King is not long for this world wearing the green and gold. I think he will be uh, elsewhere uh, next season. I'm stepping on a very far limb, I know what that's saying. Uh, but what are you going to do? Corey Lindsley? Well, I mean, when you look at the when Aaron you look Jones. at the other guys that are in the defensive backfield, obviously Jair Alexander is under contract for next year. Josh Jackson still has one more year. They can still have Chandon Sullivan and Kadar Hallman for extremely cheap. Yeah. I just don't see why they would keep Kevin King and why you would pay him decently big time money. There's no reason to. I mean, he's he's gonna be gone. He's not he's never to Jeff's point and your point and, and you know, Mike McCarthy's old saying, he's never available. How you how are you supposed to how are you supposed to prove your worth when you can't even make it onto the field? It's it's not happening. Sorry, King. You're done. NBA draft is tonight. Not really going to be hearing much about the Milwaukee Bucks in the draft. But, hey, you never know. I just, there's like nowhere to be found. All right, so, Rowdy, looking at the NBA draft, let's go back and look at how the Bucks got to where they are now. Uh, obviously, you got to go back to the year of 2013 when the Milwaukee Bucks walk up to the podium, David Stearns walk up to the podium and announces that uh, they selected Giannis, I'm, I'm sure he butchered the name, and everyone's like, who in the hell is Giannis Adendakumbo? Pick 15 in the first round of the 2013 NBA draft. I remember specifically being absolutely pissed that the Bucks selected some guy who is some project that you never have heard of and that will probably flame out like all the other picks of years past. Boy, was I not happy when the Bucks selected Giannis Adendokounmpo in 2013. What did you think in 2013? What, you were with some friends, I think, and you guys were all beside yourself. Yeah, we were kind of joking, saying they're going to take some European guy we've never heard of and he's never going to amount to anything. That's exactly what I said, too. I'm like, watch him take some guy from Europe that will stink. And I wanted him to draft Trey Burke out of Michigan. Because I was right after Trey Burke was like Mr. Everything for Michigan. Yeah. Good thing they didn't. That's very good thing they didn't. But instead, we all saw what happened. Giannis Dendekumbo gets drafted. And after, I mean, you could tell right away that the guy had was something special. Was it, who was the guy at the end of the bench for, I think it was the piss, was it Rashad? Was it, 
Evans. Yeah, Rashad Evans. I remember Giannis was playing his rookie year, and Rashad Evans was like, hey, man, how old are you? And Giannis, you know, said his age, was he, like 20? And he goes, yeah, damn. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, this guy, this Greek freak, is uh, absolutely incredible. All right, so Giannis Dendekumbo is that guy. I think it is, obviously, in the in the 2010 to 2020, Giannis Dendekumbo is one of the greatest, one of the greatest draft pick uh, that an organization could do. But let's look back at the Milwaukee Bucks and first-round draft picks. Let's just go back last year, and you were brought up this name. 2019, the Bucks select with the first-round uh, 30th pick, Kevin Porter out of USC. Yeah, who was never actually ever with the Bucks, went to Detroit Yeah, in a trade. Uh, before that, Kevin, everyone's like, who? Exactly. 2018, Dante DiVincenzo. He was just part of the trade that uh, brought in Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich. Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova. Um, There's some promise there. I mean, he's a guy that hopefully can continue to grow and play. Yeah, but uh, well, he's, turning not a lot of heads. To, he's not going to fit the Bucks and what they need for the next couple of years with Giannis and whether he stays or goes. Yeah, well, Dante's now gone, and uh, we now get uh, you know new pieces for the Bucks this year. 2017, DJ Wilson, Michigan, pick 17, first round. I remember when they drafted DJ Wilson, I said to myself, why God, why? I saw the Wisconsin Badger basketball team, a very good college basketball program, not to be confused with an NBA program, but I saw the Wisconsin Badgers handle DJ Wilson just fine when he played for Michigan. I thought to myself, are you sure you want to be drafting this guy? Well, now he's gone as well, a part of that trade that just happened yesterday. What do you think of DJ Wilson when it happened, Rowdy? Pretty much the same thing you said. <laughs> All Why right, th- are you wasting that pick? Why? Then let's go to 2016. Let me see that thon, 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 thon maker, the thon song, thon maker. Uh, pick 10. Um, Kevin Garnett once tabbed him to be the next Kevin Garnett, if I remember correctly. Thon maker never really amounted to anything besides a parody song. Well, they never let KG be a GM anywhere, so. <laughs> thon maker, barely knew ya. This one, this was a. Um, this was a Jason Kidd pick. Now, John Hammonds, I guess, got like strong-armed out of the way by Jason Kidd because Jason Kidd, when he was the head coach, also wanted to have GM powers. Didn't get them, but he did get a taste when he was the one that vouched and got Rashad Vaughn out of UNLV first-round 17th pick for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's terrible. That one stunk. Sorry, J-Kid. We all, we're in agreement right Rashad, there, right? Rashad Vaughn it- was worse than Thon Maker, DJ Wilson, Dante DiVincenzo, and anyone else. Kevin Porter? That that never even played for the Bucks. <laughs> that might have been the worst draft pick I've ever seen. Yeah, and that that was uh, a Jason Kidd one. Uh, how about Jabari Jabari Parker, 2014? Jabari Parker was tabbed to be, you know, like him and actually, I think he was tabbed to be the guy ahead of Giannis. It was going to be like Jabari's team and Giannis to be a a compliment to Parker. Jabari Parker out of Duke with the second pick. I was very excited about the Jabari Parker pick. I loved well, the Jabari Parker pick. If you pick. remember that draft, that was either Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker, and they were clearly the two best guys in the draft. One had to go number one. The other one had to go number two. Yeah. And you, all of a sudden, you started hearing, like, oh, the Cavs like Wiggins a lot. Yep. And I just remember sitting there going, yes, I want Jabari Same. Parker. I, like, I, think, Jabari. I think he's the better player than Wiggins. I was excited when they got Jabari Parker. Then he got to uh, – 
Milwaukee didn't like to play defense, also had a bad knee. Oh, yeah, never played any defense. Jabari Parker, I don't think Jabari... How do you get to that level by not like not playing any defense? Jabari Parker, that start burned real bright real quick and then fizzled out. I don't even know who Jabari Parker is on anymore. I, what team is he even on? I have no idea. Jabari Parker's bounced around a bunch of places. I haven't really caught up with him. Uh, Jab- was he on the... Currently with Sacramento. Ah, uh, the Kings. There you go. Have fun out there, brother. All right, and then obviously Giannis Dindacumbo. Before that, 2012, John Henson. I always thought he was just soft. He was. I thought John Henson was just way too soft to be he the 14th pick in the first round. He reminded me of, what was the guy from the movie, with Go-Go Gadget? Uh, Inspector Gadget? Inspector Gadget, that's yeah. what it was. He had those super, he had that super short uh, waistline. Go-Go Gadget arms! Yeah, his his upper body yeah. was so small and his legs and arms were so extremely long. Well, nice pull with Inspector Gadget there, Rowdy. That is definitely John Henson. Definitely reminds me of Inspector Gadget. He had the go-go had the gadget short, arms. He had the short torso, but yeah. the extremely long arms and legs. Yeah, John Henson. Um, he was decent, right? I mean, he never really amounted. He was just soft. He was a good role player. I mean, yeah, he was exactly what you just said. He's a good bench player. And you had this t- tag, you know, this theme song to go with him. Inspector Gadget, man, what a cartoon. This is for you, John Henson. Did you watch this cartoon growing up, Rowdy? No, I just remember what. Was it a movie? It was a cartoon. I think they had a movie, too. Oh, I think, what the hell is his name? Um, Wow, Matthew Broderick? Was he Inspector Gadget in a movie, I want to say? That movie stunk. All right, uh, and then, dude, how about this pick? Jimmer for <laughs> debt. It was a movie in '99. Was it? Was it Matthew Broderick? Was he the one that was Inspector Gadget? I want to say it was. That movie stunk. <laughs> it's just like my daddy daycare pool. Daddy daycare. Uh, out of BYU, Both made in '99. Out of BYU, the Bucks select Jimmer for debt, and then they actually uh, just turned around and gave him to uh, Sacramento. Yeah, and don't forget that second round pick that year, John Luer. They're still paying him. D- they are still paying him. And how about another guy they're still paying in 2010 to start the decade of 2010? Out of VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, everyone put your hands together for the greatest stoned artist in the world, Larry Sanders. They're still paying him, too. I think till 2022? Or is it 2021? Yeah, outside of, uh, what is it, Dragon Bender? (laughs) Those are still, there's three guys the Bucks are still paying, Dragon Bender and those two. And They were drafted in 2011 and 2010. And Larry Sanders, I was a big Larry Sanders guy, and then um, we all saw what happened. He started, he got in that fight in the nightclub where he was like throwing around bottles of champagne, fighting people. I've heard some wild stories about him in the in Milwaukee. You know, he's like, I just want to quit basketball and smoke a ton of weed and do finger painting, which sounds awesome. I would love to do that too, dude. Like if you can get that job, go get it. But yeah, Larry Sanders. Oof. And then Rowdy twenty, uh, th- this was my favorite pick, one of my favorite picks of all time, uh, just because I like the guy's swag, and we get the uh, the hashtag from him, Bucks and Six, with the tenth overall pick, the young buck, Brandon Jennings. Yeah, Brandon Jennings. Remember that pick? He was like one of the first guys where they instituted that rule where you had to go to college for one year. Yeah, and he's like, he I'm going like, overseas, bro. Yeah, he was like one of the first players. He's like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going overseas. I'm gonna get paid. Yep. And good for if, him. If you remember, he didn't play that much overseas. 
He was like that 18-year-old kid right out of high school was getting like garbage minutes. Yeah. And like, oh, he only averaged like 10 minutes a game. What did that really prove? Yeah. He should have went to college. Well, it turns out he gets drafted number 10 by the Bucks in 2009. Actually had a f- pretty good few years for the Milwaukee Bucks. Hell yeah. Dude, uh, he scored fi- he dropped 55 points in a game. A little masterpiece for the Milwaukee Bucks, too. Just balling on him. And I think he proved that you don't have to go to college to make it to the NBA. Yeah, I, Brandon and Jennings. you shouldn't have to. I love Brandon Jennings. I thought the funniest thing ever is, like, wh- what else was he supposed to say when it was them going against the, was it the Miami Heat? And he's like, yeah, man, Bucks and six. What else do you want me to say? Bucks and six. The young buck, Brandon Jennings. I love that guy. 55 points, man, uh, for the Bucks in one game. That was uh, that was a sight to behold. And it was all, he came back. Remember when he came back? What was that? Uh, was that last year or two years ago when he came back for a quick little minute? God, I love me some Brandon Jennings. How about the next two years, though? 07, 08, you, had, you drafted two guys in the top 10 that both were very verbal and said they don't want to okay. play for your organization. Yeah, let's start 2008. <laughs> Joe Alexander out of West Virginia. Joe Alexander, uh, the eighth overall pick for the Milwaukee Bucks. Joe Alexander, adamant that he didn't want to play for the Bucks. Comes there, the Bucks tried to fit. I just read an article about Joe Alexander like last week, two weeks ago. He's playing overseas right now, living his best life, making a lot of money. And he's finally come to the terms because he used to say that the Bucks destroyed his career. The team that gave you a shot, he now proclaims destroyed his career. Well, now, uh, now he's a little older. He's got to come to terms with it, saying that you know it was it was the Bucks and him trying to fit like you know a square peg into a round hole for Joe Alexander. Didn't work out. But here's the one that bothered me the most. It was 2007. This dude out of China, Yi. Uh, Jinlin, Jinlin, Jinlin. Yi, I'll just call him Yi. Yi out of China, the sixth pick before the draft, specifically said multiple times, Milwaukee Bucks, do not draft me. I do not want to play it for you. And if you play, if you do draft me, you will not get nothing out of me. And what do the Bucks do? They freaking draft the guy. What? What are you doing? The guy literally says, "I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. You're not going to. You're going to regret it if you draft me." And then they draft him. And what happens? We regret it. Also, just the history of drafting players like that, outside of Yao Ming, who's really been great. Exactly. Yao Ming is like that one out of 10,000 dude. Yao Ming. Yi. Yi. I don't even know how to say his last name. I think it's Jinlin. I want to look it up here. Yi. Jialian. Jialian. All right, we'll just go with Yi. Yi. I wish the Bucks would have listened to you and never drafted you. No offense to you. Um, and then, all right, Rowdy, looking back, and then Andrew Bogut. I love. I was a big Bogut guy. Two thousand five, they took him. Uh, two thousand six, they didn't have a first round pick. Uh, Andrew Bogut and Ursan Ilyasova. Two thousand five. That's how long Ursan's been around. So we we've went back now fifteen years at their first round picks, and I think it's safe to say we haven't really named off too many of the second round picks. But the Bucks have had more success drafting in the second round, finding NBA type talent in the second round than most of their first round. Yeah. Picks. Just go 2016. Second round is Malcolm Brogdon. Thon maker was the first round pick. Malcolm Brogdon, the second round pick. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon all day. You go and look at, uh, I know they traded him away, but in 2015, after using the first pick on Rashad Vaughn, they drafted Norman Powell, who was playing starting guard for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Going back. Deron lamb. 
I forgot they had uh, Baumute. In, in 2012 has also been yeah. an NBA. Ramon Sessions was okay for a while. I mean, that was John Lure. 2007 when they drafted Yi Jia Leon, whatever the hell his name is. Jody Meeks. Yep. Luke Richard. Yeah, the Bucks have been better in the second round than they have uh, in the first. Yep. The Prince. I'm looking here. You, you said it, Ursan Ilyasova. I love Ursan. You go back to 03, Keith Bogans. Uh, 2003, that was TJ Ford, too, yeah. as a first-round pick. I love TJ Ford until he hurt his neck. That stunk for that guy. Dude, I mean, Dan, Dan God's reach in 2002. They've had more success in the second round than they have in the first round. Yeah. In many years. Yeah. Uh, Giannis, maybe, maybe that's why Horst was like, man, we don't really need these first-round draft picks. <laughs> Let's get rid of them. Let's load up on those second-rounders. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so uh, 608-321-1670, Twitter Zone Madison. Who is your favorite Bucks draft uh, draftee of all time? Who's your favorite one? It doesn't have to be resound to just the last 10, 15 years, just of all time. When it comes to the Bucks, who is the best player that they have drafted? You're like, yes, this guy is the one. I mean, you could say Giannis and then the Kumbo. I'm totally cool with that. Giannis, I mean, it's the Greek freak, dude. No, no problem here. Who is it? 608 321 <laughs> I remember when the Bucks drafted Dirk. I feel Dirk. like there's not a ton of people that you really can say, right? It's got to be Giannis. I mean, I was a Brandon Glenn, Jennings guy. Glenn Robinson. <laughs> I was a, yeah, big dog. Uh, Michael Red was incredible for the Bucks. He's very underrated. Bogut. Andrew Bogut, the big Aussie. Uh, I like Vin Baker. I was a big Vin Baker guy growing up. Who was it? 608-321-1670. Oh, dude, I forgot about this. They, Kareem remember, Abdul-Jabbar, a.k.a. Lou Alcindor. Remember when they drafted Stefan Marbury and then didn't have him? Send him to the T-Wolves.